Vincent Werbeck's Derby. Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you. I, I think I've preached about five or six times at Werbeck's, and, and I think most of them Phil has been away, which is slightly worrying. Um, and he's away again today. I think they're somewhere on the M1 at the moment, uh, back up from Guildford. Um, I hope you've had a good weekend, having a good weekend. If you um, are a rugby fan, it's not been brilliant, has it? But that's the way it goes. Uh, a lot of tension yesterday, ending with a lot of uh, sadness. Any South Africans here? Oh, right, okay. We're, we're, we're very pleased for you. And you're very welcome. Actually, I think it, 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 it was a great moment for that nation. Um, when they last won the World Cup, I think there was one black player. Uh, and uh, yesterday, the captain was black, and there was a much di more diverse uh, grouping. And I just think that was, that was so good. But it wasn't a brilliant game, but there we go. Uh, but there is good news. Um, Southampton only lost by one goal. <laughs> so that is massive improvement and Phil I think is very excited by that um, anyway we're here to talk about the kingdom of God and uh, we've been looking at, at the kingdom uh, for quite a few weeks now and we have consistently defined the kingdom as uh, the reign and rule of God in human life in the presence of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. The kingdom is not primarily uh, a location, a geographical um, spot. It is the, wherever God is present as king, there is the kingdom. And uh, last week, Phil was talking to us about what, it, what life felt like within the kingdom of God. And uh, tonight I'm talking for a few moments, not very long, about... Uh, about the, the way that the kingdom uh, grows and grows. I don't know what you feel about waiting. Waiting can be a real problem. We don't, on the whole, like waiting. Why, why, why am I waiting? What you kept me waiting for? I've been waiting for ages. Sue and I shop now and again, which is, is never a brilliant idea, uh, because she's very fast and I'm very slow. So I find myself in the middle of town, and she'll suddenly say to me out of nowhere, look, I'm going into Boots to buy some medicine. You go to... Smiths and get the papers and I'll see you in Marks and Spencers by the sandwich bar in 10 minutes. And before I can check that itinerary, she's gone, just like that. And I think, what was it she said? But I do remember the sandwich bar. So, and I'm a good timekeeper, so two minutes to spare, I'm at the sandwiches. And I think she'll be here in a minute. 10 minutes, quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. Can't be as long as half an hour, no sign. And when she arrives, she is, she's got a cast-iron reason why she's been so long. But that doesn't help me. And the waiting moves from um, expectation to bewilderment to disappointment to frustration and on a bad day to anger. Where is she? We don't like to be kept waiting. Now, that was the situation in the first century when Jesus was born. He was born into the, into the nation of Israel and they'd been waiting for years and years and years for the coming of the king, for the coming of the kingdom, 
for that moment when God would break into human life and make himself known. And it hadn't happened yet. And then one day, uh, a young prophet appears in Galilee. He's charismatic, he's dramatic, he's a brilliant teacher. He's gathering the crowds. And most of all, he is saying, the kingdom of God is here. Believe, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God has come near, I'm here. And they say, this is it, this is the Messiah. And there's great excitement. But then nothing happens, at least not much. Few people are healed. There's 12 fishermen gathered around him and, and, and people from other trades. The crowds begin to dwindle and the excitement gives place to frustration. Here we go again. John the Baptist, um, who was very close to Jesus, had been put in prison. And uh, he was so fed up, he, he found two of the disciples. They came to him and he said, will you please go to Jesus and say to him, look, are you really the Messiah? Or is this another false start and have we got to wait and look for someone else? So there's great frustration. And the problem was that there were various, or two, shall we say, views of the kingdom. There was the nation's views, the Jewish view, that the kingdom was immediate and clear. And there was the kingdom of God, which said the kingdom is hidden and gentle. There was the world's view of the kingdom, that it was all about power, and there was God's kingdom, and Jesus said that is about love. There was the world's view that the kingdom would be um, arriving in force, and there was God's kingdom that would come as people exercise faith. Much later in his life, you remember when Jesus was under trial with uh, Pilate, Pilate was questioning uh, Jesus and he was saying at one point, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, well, you think so, who told you that? Very enigmatic Jesus in the, in the things he said. And then he went on to say to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But now my kingdom comes from another place. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. Quite different. And the Jewish nation was looking for a physical kingdom, was looking for God to break in incontrovertible with violence and power to destroy and scatter the, Rome, the Romans and to raise up the nation of Israel and to begin his long and eternal reign. And it wasn't like that. And Jesus had to explain, and he explained things through his teaching. He's a brilliant teacher. And he did a number of parables, which we now call the parables of the kingdom. And there's one little parable uh, in Luke chapter 13, which we're just going to look at. Don't be disturbed by the, don't be excited by the smallness of the text. It doesn't mean a short sermon, necessarily. But it could do. Uh, Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare to it? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he said, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took 
and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. So Jesus is saying, look, put aside these notions of violence and power and domination and control and liberation. I want to tell you about the real kingdom of God that comes quietly, gently, but is utterly transformative. Like a tiny seed put into the ground. Don't take the text away, keep it up please. If you don't mind, there we go. Like a little seed that is put into the ground and suddenly, or not suddenly, but gradually it blossoms into a great plant. In this case, a mustard bush, which could grow, I'm told, to something like 20 feet in height and have as much as 20 feet of spread. All that from a tiny seed. Or like a little bit of yeast put in a great mass of flour, producing... Uh, growth and bread and sustenance. Now, uh, a few weeks back, uh, my wife Sue uh, had this idea that she would bond a bit more with the grandchildren, with the granddaughters, and they were going to do some growing some seeds. Well, as you can imagine, there was a little bit of argy-bargy about who did what, uh, and Olivia chose miseran... I can never say this word. Call them daisies. Um, and, And she was going to grow those, Olivia was going to grow dahlias, and uh, Zoe was going to grow cosmos. So they get the uh, little pots, and there's a great hoo-ha at our house as they put the seeds in, and, and great impatience as every day they came round to poke at the thing to see whether it was growing, and eventually, of course, it did, and then we took them out of the pots and we put them in... Uh, Anna and Phil's splendid back garden where we are the unofficial and unpaid gardeners. And we watched it grow so that it came, and it's not a very good picture I'm afraid, I took it yesterday, but you can see all the colour, the the purples and the reds and the whites and the yellows. They were all once just tiny, tiny seeds and they have grown and they have grown to things of beauty and were they bigger things that people could shelter under and birds could sit in. Or alternatively, there is uh, bread. Now, I don't wish to boast, but I will. I have made, single-handedly, Andy, this loaf of bread. No bread mixer, nothing like that, just hard work. And I, I never cease to be amazed that I can take a whole bowl of flour and just put in two teaspoonfuls of yeast and suddenly, well not suddenly, gradually the whole thing bursts up on the oven uh, in, in our kitchen and knock it back, put it into a tin and that's what you get. It's yours for pound thirty. <laughs> I'll take orders at the end of the service and uh, there we go. So um, the kingdom of God, says Jesus, works like that. It is not um, forceful, it's not in your face, it's not to give you power and dominion, it is a tiny seed of the Word of God, which has within it incredible dynamism to grow within you into something big and beautiful and rich and life-giving and nourishing. So that's the parable, and that's what the kingdom is like. Now, just one or two things um, uh, as we finish about how this might impact 
my life and yours in the week ahead. The kingdom of God is like a seed and like a bit of yeast which grows and grows and grows within a barren stretch of soil or a mass of flour. I want to say to you first of all, will you be open to receiving the king, to being part of the kingdom and to see that life grow within you? That is what the Christian life is all about. It may well be that you are already a Christian. Will you pray tonight that your life may be constantly open to receive the King of Kings, that he may completely fill your personality and use you in his service? All that is required is your faith. Lord, please come. There's a lovely poem by my favourite contemporary poet, a man called R.S. Thomas. Uh, he died recently. He was a priest in Wales. He was a miserable old boot, uh, but he wrote beautiful poetry. And he said of the kingdom, it's a long way off, but to get there takes no time and admission is free. If you will purge yourself of desire and present yourself with your need only, and the simple offering of your faith, green as a leaf. The simple offering of your faith, open yourself afresh again tonight, will you please, and please may I, because I do close myself down so much, to the coming of the kingdom, that Christ by his spirit may grow and grow and grow in you. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waters. When oceans rise, I will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Be open to the coming of the King. Be patient, will you, with that growth in your life. Won't happen just like that overnight, Christ will grow in you inch by inch as you are patient. Dear Lord, of these three things I pray, to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly, day by day by day by day, day after day after day, opening yourself afresh with patience. Be patient with yourself. God has not finished with you yet, mercifully. There's a lot more to do. Open yourself and be patient. There's a lovely verse in Paul's letter to the Romans where he says, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's not about material things. It is about righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Is that me? Oh no, it's, it's fireworks. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so when Christ grows within you, he will grow within you those fruits of right living, of joy, 
in place of your sorrow, of peace in place of your turbulence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When the kingdom comes, he comes, the king comes, in the person of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole of the Trinity, like a great firework, bursting within you. So as we think about the growth of the kingdom tonight again, will you just be open to the coming of the king? Will you be patient? Will you be challenged um, to know that the kingdom in you is for the sake of the world? So the little parables say that when the tree has grown, the birds of the air take shelter in its branches. And when your life grows in Christ, people will see and will take shelter in your branches, so to speak. And boy, do people need shelter and hope and security and meaning and love and purpose in our crazy and beautiful and broken 21st century world. And as your life grows like a lovely loaf of bread, the beautiful smell, uh, it will be nourishment to those around you. And how people need nourishment in our hungry, thirsty, and lost and broken generation. So the kingdom of God will come to you if you will open. The king will come if you will open yourself to, to him. Be patient with his growth. Be challenged with the fact that he wants to use you in a broken world. Be encouraged that the growth belongs to him and not to you. I want just to stress that. Because the nation of Israel wanted to see immediate change, they were disappointed. But Christ said, just know that it's all very slow and gradual. And it is. Here we are gathered in St. Werbs, a good crowd of people on a Sunday night. Um, most churches don't even have an evening service because no one comes. But even with us, we know that the vast majority of Derby are not here and have no sense of the kingdom of God. And there are times when we feel discouraged. We are such a tiny little seed in the field of the world. Or tomorrow you may go to college or university, wherever, and you may feel that you are the only one who's got any sense of the kingdom of God, the only one who's been to church this weekend. And, and in a way, you don't want to say anything about it because people say, what? How sad. Nothing else to do with your weekend. Go hear an old man preach in words. Or you may go back to your family and your family might say, church again? Why? Because they have no sense of the kingdom, and you feel like a little bit of yeast in a great big bowl of flour. Be encouraged that God knows that, and it's God's way. And God grows the kingdom silently and quietly, inch by inch, person by person, day by day. Eventually, of course, it will fill the whole world. When out the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever. And that will happen. One day the world will see that Christ is king. But at the moment, 
The devil is still roaming around. At the moment, God is giving people time to respond, and they will respond through your openness to them. And the final thing, just be relaxed. Just know that the kingdom has been established. You don't have to build the kingdom. You know, as a young vicar, I thought it all depended upon me, rushing around doing this, that, and the other, getting sort of guilt complexes and all the rest of it. Nonsense. The kingdom has been established. You simply have to walk beneath the rainbow and point people to the skies. It does not all depend upon... I think someone wants to come in. Would you let them in? That would be good. Um, It does not all depend upon you. This business of the kingdom is a partnership between you and God. Yeah, we're all right. Look this way, look at me. It's not that bad, is it? So I want finally to say to you, do relax and do know that tomorrow it all doesn't rest upon you saying the right things, doing the right things, remembering what the sermon said, reading your Bible for an hour and a quarter, whatever it may be. Simply know that it's you and God and God is going in front of you uh, another line from this poet, po- uh, my favourite poet, Horace Thomas, such a fast God, always leaving just as we're arriving. Lovely phrase. Here's a story to end with. Um, it, it's uh, a scene in Norfolk in the 1950s, before you were born, before most of you were born. But I was quite old, even by 1950. No, I wasn't. I was, I was a, a kid. Um, but anyway... Uh, there's, this, there's this big rectory in Norfolk and at the back there is a tennis court and the rectory has been taken over for a fortnight in the summer holidays by two families they borrowed the rectory, they know the vicar the vicar's gone away abroad and here they are and uh, they're, they're in this rectory one morning the two men of the family uh, say to their wives Uh, We're busy today, we're going into Norwich to do some stuff, uh, but we'll be back at tea time because we're going to play tennis tonight. As they said that, the two children who were with these families heard what they said, a boy and a girl, and uh, they knew what they were going to do for the day, and as soon as their fathers had gone, they went round to the potting shed, and they took out one of these these machines with a wheel, and a tank, like, like they do yellow lines in, in the, uh, on the road. And, and into the tank you put lime, and on the lime you put water, and you mix it around until it's a gooey mess. And then you push the contraption, and it makes the white lines. It's not rocket science, it happens. And so these two children were so excited that they mixed all this stuff. And they set off, and it's quite good to begin with. But then there's a bit of argy-bargy and they nudge each other and suddenly the thing tips over and there's a splodge of, of lime here. And then they, get, they go down the line, but then there's the tram lines, the cross lines. Well, it goes all over the place. Absolute mess. They work on for a couple of hours and eventually they are, as they understand it, finished. And they wipe their dirty hands down their fronts like every child has done from the beginning of time. They cannot wait for their fathers to return. Suddenly, here they are, the swish of the car on the, on the gravel. The fathers rush in, and uh, the little boy says to, to, the, to the father, 
Daddy, Daddy, come and see what we've done. Come and see what we've done. And his father said, I will, but later. I've just got to get changed. We've got to do the tennis court for tonight. Daddy, Daddy, please come and look. Please come and look. So his daddy patiently says, come on then, quickly. They walk up the stairs to the half landing and they look through the big window onto this mess. And in a moment, the father realises that there will be no tennis that night. And my father said to me, (laughs) he said, son, thank you for what you've done, but next time, will you tell me about it? And we shall do it together. We shall do it together. And I want you to know, this business, the king is dwelling in you. And it's not all dependent. Tomorrow we will do it together. God and you. And God actually, believe it or not, is the main partner. And you're the junior one. I sometimes think I'm the main partner. Shame on me. God is the main partner. You're the junior one. And he says to you, we'll do it together. And then the world will see and believe. For his name's sake, Amen.